Praise the Lord. Well, today is known as Palm Sunday. I asked some people if they understood and know what Palm Sunday was, and they said they didn't, they didn't understand why it was Palm Sunday. A lot of people don't just know that we just call it Palm Sunday. Am I right? But there's a reason for it. A lot of times we call it Palm Sunday. We really don't understand it. The message today is called Understanding Palm Sunday. Maybe a little different. Most of us just know that Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. But it's also the day that Jesus rode in Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people laid their cloaks and waved palm leaves. For some people, that is the extent of understanding what Palm Sunday is all about. But there's much more to this story than most people understand. Now, really, to get to a, a good chronological timeline, you have to read from the different uh, different writers because they were all writing to different people and they all wrote a little differently and told the story a little differently. So first of all, I want to start off at John 12, 1 and 2. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one that sat at the table. Now it's important. I want you to get a hold of that six days before the Passover. Okay. Now I want to go to Luke's gospel and begin to read Luke 19, 28 through 40. When he had said this, he went ahead, go up to going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain, mountain called Olive. He sent his two disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where you will enter, you will find a colt. And some, some, of, the, some of the writers say donkey, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, while you're loosing it, you shall say to them, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he said to them. But as they were loosening the colt, the owner said to them, why are you loosening the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and Jesus sat upon it. Now I want you to notice this colt never been ridden before. Now, I'm from Texas, and I know something about getting on a colt that hadn't been risen before, ridden before. You ain't going to stay on there very long, I guarantee you. <laughs> and, and as he went, many spread their cloaks on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in, in the highest. Now, Jesus was going into Jerusalem. And, uh, of course, he had been to Jerusalem before. But this was very significant this time. This time, he was going into Jerusalem in a way that he had never gone before. He wasn't walking. He was going to ride. But now, this trip to Jerusalem, what is the significance of it? The significance of it is that with this, he is making a very public declaration of who he is. Now, it is said and you know, history, this is what they say in history anyway, that in times of war or, con- or, or a conquering king, he would always ride in on a horse or a stallion. In times of peace, the king would ride a colt or a donkey. Now here we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. That said that he was king, but he wasn't, he was coming as in a peaceful demonstration. Just a short time, if our timelines are correct in, in all of this and all of it is just taken from different history from bits of history and from bits of in the word of God and they put together some kind of a timeline but it doesn't make any difference what the timeline is this is what we're this is what we're celebrating today and it seems that it wasn't uh just a short just short time before this is actually happening that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Now we really don't know exactly how much time passed between these two. But when the people found out that Jesus was at Lazarus's house, and remember this is six days before the Passover. So they came to see Jesus there and also to see Lazarus. Now, it says that he came six days before Passover. The Bible says the next day is when he went into the city of Jerusalem. We call this Palm Sunday. The city of Jerusalem was buzzing. Man, there were people gathering all over from far and wide. There was a great excitement because it was Passover time. And if you remember, when God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, he instituted this Passover meal and this Passover time, and he said it would be celebrated every year at a certain time. And so they were, there was so much excitement. There was much talk about Lazarus being raised from the dead. But now let's, Let's stop for a moment. The city was buzzing. It was full of people. They had come in from all over to celebrate Passover. 
Let's look at who was there. Well, his disciples were there. In the crowd, I'm sure, was many people that Jesus had healed. And of course, many of his followers that had heard his teachings and witnessed his miracles, they would have been there. But so would the Sadducee and the Pharisees. They were the keepers of the law. They were the ones that felt threatened by Jesus. And of course, the Romans were there because they were the occupying government. And they were there for watching for any sign because this, they were watching for any signs of rebellion against Rome. And they were there ready to crush any uprising. Now it says when the people heard that Jesus was coming, they cut down palm leaves and went forth to meet him. Okay. This is really a, a, a happening. They were crying, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. Now we read that and we don't really look and understand it. But you see, he came riding a colt. The signification here is, is, is something else. Here, they see him on that colt and their immediate reaction was, oh, here's our king. But I wonder, Did you, and, and probably Jesus did realize that in a, just a few days, these same people that were shouting Hosanna to the king will be shouting away with him, crucify him. You see, because he came riding in on the colt, to them, they were saying, oh, here's our king. Here's the one that's going to rescue us from the Roman rule. Here's the one that's going to restore Israel to the grandeur of when King David was there. You see, that's what they understood. That was their, their concept of what was going on. But as we see this, you see, this is just a few days before the Passover. John said it was six days before the Passover. And We see something here. Now, as I read this next portion from Luke 1941-44, he is talking to the city of Jerusalem. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, 
If you'd known even you, especially in your day, the things that would make you perfect, but they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within, within you to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And that did happen. They did overrun, they did overrun Jerusalem. They did destroy Jerusalem. And it lay in ruin for 70 years as they were in captivity. But let's ask ourselves a question. Why did he cry? He didn't come riding a horse as the king of war would, but he was riding the colt or the donkey, the symbol of peace. Jesus wasn't coming to them with a political message. But he was coming with a spiritual message. Jesus, it says when they would ride the colt or the donkey, it meant peace. He was coming as the king of peace, the king of love, the king of compassion. He was coming with the message of forgiveness. You see, the reason that they would think of this as a king coming to deliver, because if you study Isaiah, you'll find that he give all of the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And they were looking for this Messiah that would come to deliver them in the natural Palm Sunday, as we call it, could have been a great day for Israel. It could have been a new beginning. But they were too caught up in the realm of the natural to be concerned about the spiritual. They were too caught up in the natural life to be concerned about eternal life. Just as some people are today, they're more caught up even in the church world with the political scene than they are the spiritual scene. Even in the church world, people are so enthralled in the natural that they don't think too much about eternal life. In the church world, you don't hear preaching against sin. You don't hear preaching that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Because we're all caught up 
in the natural more than we are the spiritual. My dad used to say that people would get as excited in the spirit realm as they are in the natural realm, things would be a whole lot different. Now that we see what Palm Sunday is all about. Palm Sunday, according to the Apostle John, was six days before Passover. And we all know what the Passover meal meant. And now six days before the Passover... Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He didn't walk in. He rode in on a colt or a donkey. And it had significance. He was making a statement, a proclamation. I am the king. And now let's Let's fast forward from Palm Sunday to the next week. We know that he came six days before Passover. And now we go to Mark fourteen twelve. Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare? that you may eat the Passover. And he sent out two of his disciples and said, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, you say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where's the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. As you see. So the disciples went out, came into the city, and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening, he came with the twelve. Now, as they sat down to eat, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? He answered and said to them, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in the dish. The son of man goes just as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is destroyed. It would be been good for that man if he had never been born. They're eating the Passover meal, signifying the deliverance from the tyrannic reign of the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Egypt is a type of sin. They were delivered. That's a deliverance by the blood. When I see the blood, it said. Now, 
Jesus has made his entrance into Jerusalem on the colt. And now he's in Jerusalem again with the Passover. But as he finishes the Passover meal, knowing what is ahead of him, he said to his disciples this, verse 22. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank from it. He said to them, this is the blood of my new covenant, which is said for many. And assuredly I say, I will no longer drink the fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. That's talking about at the marriage supper of the lamb. I don't have time to explain that. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now here Jesus had ridden into the city and proclaimed, I am king. And now he eats the Passover meal. And now he instituted a new Passover for everyone that will be born again by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. It says they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. That's why I always have a song at the end of communion. Now you understand that maybe. Let's go on, Mark fourteen thirty-two. And they came to the place which is named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. Being, began, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that it would be possible that the hour, the hour might pass for him from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Here, he's talking about drinking the cup of sin or becoming sin for us. Isn't it interesting that the devil got control of this world according to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 in the garden when Adam and Eve didn't do what God told them not to do. And here in a garden the Lamb of God that will be slain for salvation once again 
by the blood would redeem his man, humanity that he had created. From there, let's go on in reading. He had came to him. He had came to him twice. They were all sleeping. 41 says, then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It's enough. The hour has come. Behold, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. And from there, you know, they had the mock trial. They put the lashes on his back. They marched him to the place of the skull, Golgotha's hill. They laid him on a cross. They put the nails in his hands and his feet. And they hung him between the two thieves. And with one last gasp of breath, he turned his eyes heavenward and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he drew in that last breath and said, it's finished. His head slumps to his chest. And when he said it's finished, he meant the reconciliation of God's humanity that he created in the Garden of Eden was now bought back from the enemy. But that's not the end of the story. They took him down and they put him in a tomb. The disciples, fearful, shut themselves away. The women, crying, went to the grave. They had sealed that grave with the Roman seal. And if you study history, any time in history that you defied the seal of the governing power, it was death. But when they got there, that seal had been broken. That stone had been rolled away. And now, seven days from the time he rode in and said, I am, I am the king, he arose, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's sitting at the right hand of the father today, interceding for us. But there will come a day, there will come that he will ride that white charger and come back and declare 
I will forever destroy the kingdom of Satan. And now you know why we celebrate Palm Sunday. And we will end the celebration of Palm Sunday by partaking of communion ourselves that Jesus himself instituted on that night. And I like to read it the way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat this, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup. And after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this cup, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. As we partake of this, it says that we are proclaiming what he did, his death, burial, and resurrection until he comes. And we're looking forward to that day when he will come riding that white charger saying the devil will no longer have any control of anything. But before we enjoy our salvation with the partaking of communion. Would you bow your heads for just a moment, please? If there's anybody in this place that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you need to know him today because it's important because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. If you know what it is, to walk with Christ but you've taken a detour and you've got off course and you need to come and rededicate your life I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you and I can't do that unless I know who you are so if that's you you need salvation you need to rededicate your life to the Lord would you do me a favor and just raise your hand upstairs, downstairs, wherever you're at. I, I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you, but I can't do that if I don't know you. There's some hands over here. Thank you. I see that hand. Yes. Are the others upstairs? Anybody upstairs? Help me up there, ushers. Anybody? Another hand over here, I think. Anybody else? I see another hand over here. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hand down now. Thank you. Are the others that would raise their hand? Say, I need Jesus. Would everybody stand with me, please? I have another invitation. If you know that you are born of the Spirit, but you've never been filled with the Spirit, according to Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, they are all filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to speak with tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. And you'd like to be filled with the Spirit. 
Let me see your hand anywhere in the room. I'm going to go right down here. And you that raised your hand, you that should have raised your hand, you that wanted to raise your hand, I want you to step out in that aisle and meet me right now, right down here. So I can shake your hand, pray with you like I said I would. Come on, right now. Stand right here, brother. God bless you, man. Come on now. Come on now. You raise your hand. There were some others that raised their hand. Come on. You raise your hand over here. Come on. Come on. There's more. Raise their hand that's down here. This one man was brave enough to step out. Life will be changed forever. Come on. There you come, buddy. Hallelujah. Come on. I believe there was a hand over here. Come on. If you raise your hand, should have raised your hand, wanted to raise your hand, God bless you, man. Come on right now. This is your opportunity right now. Come on now. I'm going to wait just a moment. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You guys that are here. Look in my direction. I got a little book called New Birth. Talks about being born again. I got another one talking about what you have in Christ called in him. Here's another little book called Why Tongues. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Now if I was to reach these out like this. Say I'm going to give them to you. What do you got to do to get it? You got them. They're yours. Y'all going to get them same books in just a minute. That's simply an exercise I do. I can give you a book. I can't give you what you come down here for. It's a spiritual thing. It comes from heaven on high. So I just want you to raise one hand. I don't care which one it is. 